Uh, let's see what Chris Johnson thinks. Our TSN Hockey Insider. CJ, it is uh, minus 35 in Toronto today, so we are extremely jealous of you. Give us the, the report from the ground in Florida. It looks like everyone's having a blast. <laughs> I'm in shorts and a T-shirt and flip-flops. I'm looking at the beach I and palm trees. I hate you so much. And, I, and I, I think it's 20, 29 Celsius. I just checked my phone because I knew you were going to ask. Yeah, okay, so I have to do something that I'm not proud of right now, CJ. I'm pulling an O-Dog, and it's something that makes me cringe when he does it, but I'm going to do it with you right now because I, I saw Emily Clark and Sarah Nurse wearing these really cool NHL All-Star bucket hats, so I went immediately on not, online, immediately, like while we're in our pre-show meeting, to order myself one, and they are not okay. available to the general public. So if you see one, snag one i'll send you the in the e-transfer when you get back okay like they're very cool the white bucket hat it would be perfect for vacation it's it's a need okay i don't know is there like multiple colors or anything or it's just a bucket hat is all i'm looking for i saw only white ones if there's multiple colors any would be good but they are extremely cool and i went to the store and it looks like they're only available there so i I, I gotta put you on this maybe I'll, i'll buy two and i'll have one myself and one for you julia Okay, I like it. Go. We can match. We can sit up in the press box and match in our in our bucket hats. I like the idea. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if bucket hats are, are allowed up in the press box, but that would be a first. And I think CJ and JT, if there's anyone who could pull it off, might be you two, to be honest. Okay, I like it. I like it. Uh, so, CJ, what's uh, what are you most excited about for tonight's All-Star festivities? Uh, you know, I think the skills competition is a lot of fun. Um you know, I've probably been to nine or ten of these now over the years, and I actually prefer it to the the game or series of games uh, itself. And so, you know, I think it's it's nice to see the players so relaxed uh, to to show their personality. We'll see what they have in store for us. But the, the breakaway challenge tends to be where you see the highest forms of creativity, and and uh, you know, I think that that's probably what I'm I'm most curious about. You know, you, you're probably aware, but Ovechkin and Crosby are doing something together. So you know, I'm kind of mm-hmm. Wondering what that will be. I haven't heard any inklings of, of what exactly they have cooked up, but you know, I think it's I think it's a fun event and uh, you know not to be taken too seriously. Um, okay, we'll switch to to the insider stuff now, CJ. We're with our TSN hockey insider Chris Johnson, and you have been in the camp of the Leafs adding a forward, but you've also let on to us that that Caldy was probably it won't just be one move that he maybe makes before the deadline. So. What do you think Kyle Dubas is up to uh, over the next few days here while everyone else is on the beach? And, and what do you think, what is the buzz right now around Leafs camp? Well, I think that they just continue to survey the market and, and get a sense of who's available, what the exact prices are. You know, obviously there's, they, they can read our stories and what we say on TV, but obviously they can have those conversations more directly. And, and I think, you know, really if you're a team like the Leafs, you're just trying to size up what, is out there what it's going to cost and, and try to make the best decision with a finite amount of resources to maximize the team. I think it's that simple. And then, you know, I don't know if it will be a series of moves, but you know, and what I mean to say is that I don't know that it will necessarily just be one player. And, you know, we've seen in the past when he got Giordano, he also traded for Blackwell in that same deal. Um, you know, when, when they traded for Jack Campbell years ago, they, uh, they got Kyle Clifford as well at the time. And so, you know, I could see it being a scenario where the Leafs don't just add one player. Maybe it's a couple, um, and, you know, someone had whispered to me this week that don't be surprised if it's a defenseman they end up putting their, their biggest amount of resources toward or, or devote their most amount of cap space toward. I mean, we'll, we'll see how it all shakes down. You know, I, I certainly had been in the camp of thinking that a forward was more of a, a main target, but I think the truth is they don't just have one priority or one specific need in mind that they're open to 
um, doing a, a variety of things. And, and you know, I, I don't have any reason to believe anything's imminent, but, you know, certainly it's going to be an interesting month when we get on the other side of the All-Star break because, uh, you know, more dominoes will start falling as we get closer to March 3rd. Do you think it's possible for Toronto to somehow get that top six forward that we've talked about for a while and land a top four defenseman? Like, do they have the space to do that? Would it take maybe moving a roster player? Like, is this even possible if Toronto truly does kind of make an all-in move this year? There are things they could do to create the space. I don't know if they want to spend the assets, though, quite honestly. And, and you know, certainly if, if there were moves to be made where you're getting a player with some term and, and so it's a bigger picture decision, I think they'd probably rather give up. They'd be more willing to give up more for that type of player because you're getting more back. But, but you know, I would be surprised at this point if we saw them trade a first-rounder, for example, for a player on, on an expiring contract. You know, they were down that road with Nick Foligno. I don't think it's something they're looking to replicate. I mean, if we, if we look at the Florida Panthers, a team that's closest to where I'm sitting right now, you know, they gave up two first-rounders last year, kind of an all-in type of move uh, in getting Ben Sherrod and Claude Giroux at the deadline. You know, they got to the second round, were swept there, and, and, you know, now they're out of a playoff spot, you know, well out of a playoff spot, and they don't own their first rounder this year or next. And so I think Toronto is going to try to avoid repeating those kinds of things because it's a dangerous sport to be all in, right? I mean, so many things can happen. I mean, we've seen the Leafs season decided, what, five straight years in, in, a, in a do-or-die game, or, you know, a game where if they won, they play on to the next round. Uh, they lost all those games, but, but the point is, you know, it's, it's risky to, to give up too much of the future Um yeah, I think with the nature of the sport. And so I think that they'll be smart about how they, they do things. Uh, there are moves they could make, certainly, to, to maybe remove some, some cap obligations from the roster. You know, you have players like Justin Hall, maybe even Alex Kerfoot on expiring contracts. Um, you know, there's, there's some maneuvering, I think, that can happen. But the, the bigger issue is the price of, of what they're bringing in. I don't think they're going to they're gonna go too crazy in, in that regard. Yeah, Flora last year is a good example of that. It's a good point. Uh, I heard you mention Toronto during insider trading as one of the teams that has poked around on Meyer, but I've got to ask you to do the Michael Scott, the office, please explain it to me like I'm five, in terms of how the Leafs would make the, the qualifying offer work next year. Well, I, I don't know if they can. I, I think, I think yeah. really they're, they're doing their diligence, right? I, I'm certainly – not for me anyway. I'm not reporting the Leafs are the favorite or anything like that. I, I just think that he's a player that's that's obviously on their radar, and and they've you know they've scouted, they've talked about, they're aware of. But you know he he, he kind of fits the picture of, of what I'm saying here. It just might cost too much for what he is, and and you know maybe they. Tra- I guess in theory someone could trade for him. It doesn't have to be the Leafs, and and trade him before that qualifying offer is due to a team uh, that might want to extend him. I mean I guess there, there's there's ways to be creative out there, but. You know, I think if we're being realistic, that there's probably other teams that are more likely to make a Meyer move. You know, you, you look at the Devils, um, you know, Carolina, certainly if, if they could extend them, I think would be, be definitely willing to to be in there. I think the Rangers, you know, could be a fit for Timo Meyer. I mean, a, a number of teams maybe have cleaner cap sheets or, or, or a path to, to signing him longer term. You know, in Toronto, if you're doing that, it's, it would be tough to sign – him at whatever it's going to cost or qualify him at 10 million and sign William Nylander and sign Austin Matthews. I mean, it's possible, but I think it's, it's not particularly likely. So I think, you know, ultimately if I'm sizing this up, I'd be very surprised if, if Toronto was, was the destination for Timo Meyer. Okay. So, so maybe not Timo Meyer, maybe, but maybe not. Uh, but TSM put out their trade bait board today. Is there anybody out there that's on that board that you think the Leafs should have their eye on that you think might be a good fit for Toronto? Well, you know, I think 
maybe some sneaky good ads sometimes at the deadline start the players at the top of those boards, but maybe in the middle to the bottom. And, you know, I, I know a guy in Chicago, Sam Lafferty, for example, um, has drawn a fair bit of interest, you know, in part because he, he's sort of a versatile bottom six guy, uh, can kill penalties. Uh, he's signed at a very reasonable cap hit, just over a million dollars, and he signed for next year. So it's, it's not just, a, you know, if you're giving up those assets, it's not just for, for one kick at the can. You know, it, it's, it's almost in the, the Brandon Hagel school or, or Barkley Goodrow, you know, some of the, the deals that, that Tampa's made in recent years, you know, not, not really being so much in the rental market. Um, you know, I think that that could be someone to look at. You know, I'm, I'm curious, now, now that someone's been whispering in my ear about a defenseman, it sort of piqued my interest. You know, I think, I think you know, someone like Jake McCabe in, in Chicago would be of interest, but again, the price there might just be too rich for where the Leafs want to go. Um, you know, if we're being honest, I think I don't know what they have to go do anything. I mean, they're, they're definitely, I think, going to. Um, but, you know, most teams aren't one move away from winning a cup. I think we would agree that they're one of the absolute best teams in the league. They've, I don't know if they're fourth right now overall in terms of points percentage, but, but they're in that, that range. Um, and, and really at the deadline, you're, you're adding depth for the most part. I mean, you're, you're, very few teams are, are adding, you know, someone to their first line or second line uh, and then going on and winning a cup. I just think that the reality is, it's, it's not always the biggest names that actually uh, can make the biggest difference of, with the, the deadline day pickups. We're chatting with Chris Johnson, our TSN Hockey Insider. And, CJ, you were also detailing uh, an interesting angle about potentially Gus Nyquist garnering some interest around the league and using Toronto as an example, maybe use him as a, a Kucherov type of situation because he'll be out for the rest of the regular season. Is, is that like a, a creative way that Toronto could add that impact forward and still have cap space to do some other stuff? Yeah, I mean, what's interesting about Nyquist is that if he's done for the, the regular season, which isn't totally sure at this moment. He, he's not having surgery. He suffered a shoulder injury last week. I think, he, I think when he suffered the injury, there's 11 weeks left in the season, uh, regular season that is, and, and his timeline is somewhere around 10 to 12 weeks. Um, so, you know, there, there's a scenario here where maybe as we get closer to March 3rd, there's some certainty maybe that, that he's not going to be re- able to return during the regular season, and that is very fascinating for teams that are in, in long-term injured reserve, of which Toronto was one, and there's – you know, five or six others we, we put on a board on insider trading last night. I, I don't have them all off the top of my head, but it's, it's Colorado and, and, and the Leafs and Boston, I believe, is in this, this market. And, and, you know, for, for simplicity's sake, basically you could add Gus Nyquist, and if you're already in LTIR, as long as you have room for him on the day you acquire him, you could stash him there, uh, activate another player later on. And in Colorado's case, that's someone like Landis Cog will come back before the end of the season. And you've essentially added Nyquist without hurting your cap position at all. And, and the way the Leafs could do it um, is if Austin Matthews at some point, and we, you know, is out with his, his knee sprain right now, um, was added to long-term injured reserve, they could, they could add Nyquist in, in a trade, put him on LTIR with the space they've created with Matthews. And then when they activate Matthews, uh, they're, they're literally in no worse cap position than they were when, when he added. And, and you're getting a player that can, you know, join your team in the playoffs. Now, We've seen this happen before. It's actually Riley Nash in Toronto. There's a, there's yeah. a similar situation, right. and that, that didn't that didn't really pan out in the sense that I think he only played a handful of games in the playoffs, and obviously they didn't win that series. But the Leafs have used this method before. Uh, I have no specific intel that that Gus Nyquist is on their their radar at this point in time, but I think it's something that should be on all of our radar because when you you see the news that he's been injured, you know, given that he was going to be a trade deadline chip, you think it's it's a bad thing. I actually think. This makes him more valuable and, and more intriguing to contenders because, you know, other than whatever it takes to, to add him from Columbus, you know, a draft pick of some sort, 
there's no other actual cost to, to adding him if he's not going to be ready until the, the playoffs start. Yeah, that's interesting. Thank you, CJ. Okay, so you're, you're hanging <laughs> on the beach. for nerds over here. Yeah, no, that was great. <laughs> I, and you explained it very clearly. I love that. Um, you're enjoying yourself on the beach right now, but Ottawa is having themselves a little bit of a situation. I'm not sure if you've heard anything about this, because like I, I said, you're in Florida, but this last night... It, uh, Ottawa fired their AHL coach, Troy Mann, and everyone was confused by this. He seemed like a well-liked guy, has a good record in the organization. And then Clinton, of course, it's it's pretty unusual for an AHL coach to get fired mid-season. And then Claire Hanna broke the story this morning that apparently there were trust issues emerging between both sides. And, and the straw, apparently, in her words, that broke the camel's back was when Mann gave some of the Ottawa Senators pre-scouting material to another NHL team. And again, I'm not sure if you have anything on this yet because you're out in Florida, but what are your just initial thoughts on that situation based on uh, everything I just said? I mean, it's, it is, it's, it's a highly unusual situation, right? From, from them announcing it, during the all-star break, you know, late at night, like the whole situation sort of struck everyone as odd. Um, You know, the way it was described to me is there wasn't alignment within the organization. I think, you know, I don't have any specific knowledge of what Claire reported. I certainly am not uh, disputing it in any way, Um, but it does sound as though not everyone was on the same page. And and so clearly the the senators, you know, made, made a decision. It's even more, intriguing when, when you consider that, that his brother, you know, is the assistant general manager, one of the assistant general managers with the Senators. So the, this one is highly uh, unusual. Um, and, you know, I, I don't really have much to add beyond that. But, you know, it's uh, something I'm sure people will be buzzing about today when we all get back together because it's, it's one of these, you know, sort of things you just don't see too often. And, you know, Ottawa's obviously uh, tried to address a problem or what they perceived to be a problem and and firing them, and on we go. Well, I'm curious, outside of this maybe, because you're you're down in Miami and probably the most influential hockey folk are are down there right now from the players, media, and whatnot. Like, what else is being buzzed about over the last 24 to 48 hours, I guess, in the circles, hockey circles that you've been in? What's everyone chatting about down there? (laughs) I wish I could tell you it was high-level, great trade stuff. I mean, honestly, I think everyone's just chilling out. Uh, nice. You know, it's, it's a nice, it's it's a nice break in the regular season, the the, the All-Star break. Um, I think for the players, it's a chance to heal the body and the mind a little bit. For the rest of us that are living in Canada, it's a chance to get out of the snow and and um, you know experience some nice weather. So you know, it, it's pretty relaxed. I, I was at an event last night actually. Anthony Duclair has, has launched a foundation down here. There's a number of players there. I had a chance to chat actually with Vinny Viola, the Panthers' owner, and Bill Zito, their general manager. I mean, it's um, no, it seems to be a, a pretty good time in the hockey world, and you know we might get some news. We'll see Gary Bettman and Bill Daly meet the media tomorrow afternoon before the All Star uh, tournament itself gets gets kicked off. But um, it's not uh, quite honest. Everything's gone pretty quiet in, in the hockey world, and I'm okay with that for a few days. Anything new in terms of the the search with the PA that's currently happening right now, CJ? It sounds like they're at about the five-yard line. I think they're, they're very close to getting to a point where the executive board would, would vote uh, on, on Marty Walsh as the candidate to re- replace Don Fear. Uh, basically, the executive board, there's one representative from each team, so there's 32 members of it, and, and 18 of 32 teams, essentially, through, through their executive board member, would have to um, support that for, for that to happen. Uh, you know, yesterday, the search committee of, of, of eight players that, that you know, ultimately interviewed and vetted the candidates and, and got to a point where they 
We're recommending that Marty Walsh be, be the successor to Don Fear. They, they made that presentation to the executive board. I think now the players and agents themselves discuss things over. And I think, you know, unless something comes up, a, a curveball at the last minute, which, you know, this was a bit of a secretive process and, and closely guarded. I mean, I suppose something could come up, but it does, by all indica- indications, seem as though, you know, we're, we're on the verge of, of having new leadership at the NHLPA, which, you know, I realize maybe for the casual fan doesn't, doesn't resonate or it's not a top button issue, but you know, it's, it's pretty important for the future of the sport. And, and, you know, we're only three years out from the next CBA um, needing to be negotiated. So, you know, it's not really a long period of time for someone, especially someone like Marty Walsh, who has a, a deep, deep union background, uh, obviously works in the, in the U S government right now, but you know, hasn't, hasn't been on the ground in the hockey world. I'm sure there'll be a period where he's got to come in and basically do an internal audit of the organization, figure out, you know, what changes he might want to make with a senior leadership team, and then, you know, get into the weeds on what the key issues are as he, as he moves towards CBA negotiations. You know, I think that there's, there's, there's a lot that needs to happen in a couple of years there. So um, I can't give you the exact date. I was told it won't happen this weekend, but I do think we're, we're not too far off from seeing a leadership change uh, happen at the NHLPA. All right, we'll leave it there, CJ. Appreciate you taking the time uh, out of the fun Florida sun to, to chat with us, as you typically do on Fridays. Fun Florida sun. Uh, nice oh, yeah. one. Uh, I wish. I wish I was down there. I'm extremely <laughs> jealous of CJ and, and everybody who's down there. But uh, enjoy the festivities and uh, enjoy your weekend, pal. You too. I'll be back in the cold next Friday. So I'll be, I'll be back among you uh, when, when we talk next week. Next Friday? You're there all week? You're sticking around? No, I said I'll be back in the cold by then. So this, this is oh, a free, okay, okay. It's, a free, it's a brief respite is all I'm saying. It's not, I'm not moving down here. Gotcha, gotcha. I was going to say, hello, CJ, just turned into a snowbird now, staying down there for weeks at a time. <laughs> All right, pal. Uh, before retirement. There you go. Then you'll pretty soon pull the Bobby Margarita and, you know, be on a half retirement or something like that. All right, pal. We'll chat next week. All right. See you guys.